Hi everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast where we get in hardcore with dancers from all around the world and have a really open and honest chat about ballet training and the highs and lows of being a ballet dancer, trying to become a professional ballet dancer or a dancer in general. I'm your host Romy Dare and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi everyone, so this is a mini-series where I'll be interviewing dancers and kind of talking deeper about, I guess, experiences that they had at their vocational training that affected them, you know, quite, I guess, deeply coming into the real world and kind of discussing the issues around you know the gaps in training and why so many people leaving vocational training almost in a worse position than when they started and obviously I completely understand that everyone's journey is so different um every school is different with how they deal thing with things and obviously different dancers will come in at different stages of their I guess their mental health, there's so many factors that come into this and, you know, I don't want anyone to feel invalid or less valid and comparing their experiences to others because that's not what I want it to be about. This is more about kind of sharing experience but also having open conversations about the experiences because a lot of people will go through and, you know, go through their life and not talk about it until way like way ahead in the future anyway before we get into the episode I really just want to put a disclaimer out there that in these episodes we will be covering topics that could be possibly triggering to individuals people whatever you know it's going to be different for everyone you know talking about eating disorders um suicide depression anxiety kind of talking about feelings that come around with that you know there'll be there'll be so many topics but they're just a few and I just want to put a trigger warning so if you are feeling that these that you're not ready to listen to these stories yet because you know they could possibly trigger you please click off now you know and if you want to come back to the episode when you're in a better position then that's fine but absolutely don't worry like I've got so many episodes I've got a few educational episodes that you know anyone well I hope anyone can listen to but obviously everyone's different so it's up to you but anyway just want to put that out there before we get started because I really don't want and you know anyone to be triggered by this um another thing is the topics that we will discuss in the podcast you know in all the episodes not just this one but all the ones to come um, I'm going to be leaving links in the description that you can access to get help. So a few helplines that you can contact and places that you can contact if you need help. Because please don't be afraid to reach out if you're in a position where you need help. Um, or if you feel like you're not, you know, feeling, you know, feel like that you need help, okay, and don't deny help either, please, it's not worth it, um, so I'm going to leave those in the links below, and, you know, depending how you're feeling, it might be nice to talk, if it's something, brings up something in these episodes, 
might be nice to talk to somebody, speak to a friend. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to people. Mention this in another episode, but really make sure that you, you know, have someone that you can talk to because it honestly helps so much. But without further ado, let's get straight on into the episode. And I just hope that's all clear before we get started. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy this little mini series. And yeah, see you in a bit. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Hardcore Podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Sasha Dreyer. Hi, Sasha. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, how Are you good? I know it's early over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good, yeah. Good, good. Okay, so before we get into the episode, um, as always, and I think I'm going to just keep saying this for the foreseeable future for any new listeners that just whatever during the episode um you know all these episodes where we're where where I'm interviewing dancers um on their experience at vocational schools and the you know hardships and highs and lows of those experiences um they are never a net like it's never a name and shame situation you know sometimes we might name the schools and the companies or whatever but it's never saying you know this is really bad and you shouldn't go here because everyone has a different experience we all are different humans in the way we think and process experiences and this is just an open and honest conversation with you know dancers who want to talk about their experiences so just for the listeners to keep that in mind that whenever like I don't have the intention of I guess like shitting on a certain school like that's not what it's about um it's just talking about things that no one really talks about so without further ado let's get straight into the questions um so Sasha let's talk about how you like when you started dancing and kind of go through I guess the route that you took to then where you went to like your main like up school training in Europe yeah that's <laughs> So I started training, well, I first started ballet when I was almost three. So I was very, very Ooh, young, tiny. Very <laughs> young. When I was like uh, 15, I went full time, I think. Okay. And, um, yeah, then I stayed there for a few years. And then when I was 17, I moved over to Germany to okay. Academy Dances Mannheim. And mm-hmm. that's when I started my training over there. Um, and that was actually connected to a university. So the course I was in actually led to kind of a bachelor's degree. Um, mm-hmm. I was accepted directly into third year, which meant I only did kind of two years to reach the bachelor's and then an extra for the master's. Okay. It, yeah, that I did a bachelor's. Um, my training, well, was three years of a bachelor's, but that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Is that quite similar to a lot of places in Europe? Um, having two years. It's fairly varied. Some oh. schools don't have that attachment to the university. So that okay. kind of means don't get the option for a bachelor's degree and master's degree they do have other options I'm pretty sure where they get certificates or um, other qualifications but they aren't university degrees I'm not too sure which schools do 
don't do that. But yeah. um, it, it is fairly common, particularly in Mannheim, to be accepted within a particular year. So whether you're accepted directly from first year or even in fourth year, so you only have to do mm -hmm. one year um, okay. to get bachelor's. Um, but yeah, that's definitely with Mannheim. Okay. Cool. Um, was were you looking at other schools in Europe? Um, like what made you choose Mannerheim? Um, like over, I don't know, like what was your, I guess, audition experiences? Because that's, you know, must have been quite like strange, like coming over to Europe and being like, like, yeah. but also what made you choose Europe as a, like, you know, compared to say in Australia or the UK or America, like kind of what was, I'm intrigued. Um, so right off the bat, there aren't too many options for, yeah, um, yeah for Australian dancers. Yeah. Mm -hmm at home really and I think lots of Australians do know this um there there are varied routes but there is just so much and so many opportunities available outside of Australia that I think it would yeah. be fun 100% agree yeah not to kind of explore that um yeah. and so kind of early like I did like a European tour in a, in January of of one year and I went all around Europe I went around Germany and I went to Switzerland and mm -hmm. I went to Paris and I went to England and it it really was amazing and I think mm -hmm. that was actually a really really valuable experience just to see what the different schools were like what the directors were like who how the teaching styles differed from the schools mm -hmm. um you know what what the students were like and the peers were like and yeah. different training and I I knew as soon as I got to Mannheim mm -hmm. I had this innate sense and I was like this is for me like I just oh, felt so, so yeah. good like I felt supported the moment I walked into that room <laughs> sorry like there were yeah. so many beautiful students who came to help me I met immediately with an Australian um and everyone was just so helpful and there was a range of cultures and the teacher, he didn't speak English really at the time. <laughs> I still just understood how he was trying to explain the exercise and I got two days to audition there and I I loved the facilities and I, I loved the environment really. Mm. That's really good. That's, I'm um, happy for you that you had such a, <laughs> like that you felt that, you know, you felt that going to a school because I think you know, I don't think everyone kind of feels that. And, you know, I feel like choosing in school and like that whole audition process is very stressful to like. Yeah, it can be very yeah. foreign and it, yes. it was foreign and it was something just about that school. Like I'd already done a few auditions and it is just that sense, just know what's right and what's wrong. And so since yeah. I walked in, I said, really, really hope I get this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Um, <laughs> Okay, so what age did you move over to Germany? I was 17. Yeah, I was 17 when I moved over. So I moved in around August and I turned 18 in March of okay. that next So yeah. Yeah, the next year. Um, okay, so that's not like super, that's not like 15, 16, because I know some people like, obviously it's different um but how was it for you like moving away from home at that age because even though it's 17 is so quite young to move like literally around the whole world um like how was that 
like settling in, making friends, learning the language, kind of understanding all the things that you have to understand to like live in a new country. It's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so I think there was a lot of excitement coming into mm-hmm. it and even for yeah. the whole first year because everything is new and, you know, I'm quite inquisitive. I'm always wanting to learn new things and I'm fairly extroverted in, in that I like making friends with new people and mm-hmm. really immersing myself in the culture. Mm-hmm. It was all very exciting and it was really as if that first year was kind of like this this perfect dream in a way mm-hmm. that I felt that I settled in well. I made friends easily. Um, I I had a really wonderful apartment and I, I just, I enjoyed that. I was a five minute walk to the school. Everything was perfect. And I kind of, I enjoyed learning the language as well. Mm. Uh, so in Mannheim to actually get your degrees, you have to get up to a certain level in German. And obviously yeah. like in that first year, that, that level mm. is kind of fairly easy. And I had already done German classes in preparation. Good. So I felt fairly prepared, which is something that I highly suggest for other dancers to do if you are moving to another country, is prepare mm-hmm. yourself for the language a little bit because it helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really enjoyed immersing myself in that, to be honest. Um, yeah, it, it's obviously a transition period, mm-hmm. but I think with the excitement of it all, it, mm-hmm. it actually made it fairly easy for me. That's good, yeah. Um, okay, so what were there any struggles like you know? So, how many were you there three years like overall, and then one year in the company, or two, and then so I was there for three years, and in that third year, I basically was able to perform with the Badischstadt Ballet in Karlsruhe because mm-hmm. you get that performance opportunity with your master's year. And you're able to perform with the quarter ballet. Although in fourth year, I was able to, like I was second cast for quite a few things. So I had to attend all rehearsals and stage rehearsals for performances. Uh So I was aware of how things worked. But yeah, that's that's how it worked. So let's start like at the beginning, like the beginning of those four years. Um, How, like more like I guess now going into like more deeper stuff how were like were there any things that you struggled with um during those years and kind of yeah yeah um yeah there's quite a few things (laughs) yeah yeah Um, it doesn't matter what you just whatever you want to start with it's okay yeah so I think as many guests of your show have obviously mentioned before Mm -hmm. There is definitely this environment where you feel that you need to look a certain way in order to succeed. Yep. And I preface this, that this will be almost every place. And although we feel like times are changing, I think it's more apparent than ever, especially with posts circulating social media, that it really isn't changing. And people, it's great that people are talking about it more now. Mm -hmm. And we do need to keep talking about it. I I arrived I would say at a very healthy weight range and even though I may have looked healthy it was it was very deep or kind of in my subconscious that I knew that I wanted to lose weight even though no one had ever told me to in that yeah in that school I had never been approached by anyone 
when I first auditioned, no one had ever said anything. They took me how I was. I started my year how I was and no one had mentioned a thing. Yeah. And yet there was still this fear I could succeed until I was smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And there was just, there were so many times where you battle this. You're like, oh, I can do this. I need to do X, Y, and Z and I will be thin enough. And people will recognize me and see me and give me roles. And, and, this. This. Yeah. Yeah. and then with this kind of behavior, you tend to spiral. You, you feel guilty about what you eat. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're not good enough. You start class in a really, really bad mental state. You look at yourself yeah. in the mirror. Oh, I'm not good enough. You, you, you tend to make things up. You know, you go, uh, the teacher's not looking at me today because I put on yeah. one kilo or... You, it, it really, it really does mess with your head. Yeah. And over that course of the one year, that's, that's the first time I say that I definitely had a really, a major eating disorder. And I didn't realize it too much going into it. Um, and it was definitely encouraged. So I had lost a significant amount of weight without really any of my peers or teachers saying anything. And so I had thought I need to keep going because this is not enough. Yeah. To the point where in my personal opinion, I did look sickly and I was too thin. But in my mind, oh, I have so much energy and I'm feeling great. So let's just keep going. And it was really in that last performance where I was given an opportunity to dance my own uh, choreography. I did my own solo. I was offered that opportunity. I was offered a main part in one of the character performance dances. Then at the end of that performance, I had my director come up to me and tell me that I looked really beautiful and that I had changed so much. And you obviously take that as positive reinforcement and you you, you feel amazing. And I felt great. I said, oh, my hard work has gone has now gone towards this and I have, you know, made my name in this place and I had got a really wonderful marks for all of my exams and I felt like I was flourishing in this school. Mm-hmm. So you hear something like this and you say, you know, wonderful, she's moved overseas and she's doing so well. And this is where things get really difficult and tricky because on the outside people perceive you to be doing so well, but there is so much going so- wrong. Yeah inside and you might think that you have so much energy right now and everyone loves you and you're getting this role and that role but you have no idea what the consequences are further in the future and how that slowly affects your mental well-being as you kind of go on Mm. and and especially because I think people people find it hard to confront you with things like this um you know, in, in my mind, oh, no one's seeing a difference. Why isn't anyone saying anything? I need positive reinforcement. I need someone to say something. And you get that a lot in the dance world. You're always yeah. after that reinforcement, whether it yeah. be from teachers or friends or yeah. or directors. You're waiting for someone to say, you're doing so well, you're doing good. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I really got into this. I need this positive reinforcement. So what, what stemmed from there was a lot it, it was it was a big struggle for my mental health and for my body to kind of keep up with that mm-hmm. and after yeah, finishing not sustainable 
it is not sustainable whatsoever. I came home and I will never forget the face of my parents and my brother, <clears throat> sorry, when they first came to see me yeah. at the airport, when they, when they picked me up, it, their faces is something I will never forget. And at first I didn't understand why they looked so worried or they were scared to hug me. And then they said, I am scared to hug you because I feel like I will break you. And it's sad to me that at that time, I thought that was a really good thing. Yeah. That is not a good that's thing. How no. messed up. If that's how messed up. It, like, it tells you, your part of your brain will tell you it's a good thing. And like, that's, and especially like, yeah, it's, oh, it's actually mental how that, like how it changes like the way you like what is good and bad it's like you want people to think like what it just massive <sighs> red flags if you think that is a good thing then you know something's going on <laughs> you know you need to change something or you need to speak to someone massive red anyway to me that was a wonderful thing i know i've achieved my goal so throughout my two-week break in australia that's when things got very very tricky because you know, I obviously wanted to rest my body, but it was this whole battle with, you know, I can't eat, otherwise I'm going to put the weight back on. And I started drinking a lot of apple cider vinegar, thinking that this was my, like, this was it. This is what <laughs> apple cider vinegar started. shots, It's the social media for you, though. You know, you really think, I swear to God, I think I burned my esophagus with apple cider vinegar. <laughs> Like it was painful, but to me it didn't matter because I thought it was burning fat. Everyone, that doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, just like very, it's, these are behaviors that should not be encouraged and they're part of bad diets. These are things that they just don't work. And if yeah. they seem weird, they are weird, don't do them. Um, and, you know, I spent that whole two weeks really battling with myself and thinking, oh, this person is going to tell me I put on weight. That person's going to tell me I'm putting weight. And this circles around in your head. And I, that's yeah. really what happens when you have something like an eating disorder, whether that be anorexia, bulimia, orthorexia, yeah. anything like that. And so I had come back to start my bachelor year. So it was technically my second year, but I was in fourth year. And I remember starting that first class kind of just shaking and worrying and thinking that I had lost it all and I've put on X amount of weight and no one will respect me anymore. Mm. And that's when things then got worse again because oh, yeah. I was out especially. So I, I was training all day and then in the evening I traveled to the company because I was second class for lots of things. Yeah. And, you know, I... I would just eat breakfast most of the time on those days. And I remember coming home and heating up a little bit of soup for myself so that I felt this feeling of that fullness or satiety and felt like I was satiated, even though, you know, my meal was not calorically dense whatsoever. Yeah. And I had lost so much weight, um, more than I had actually lost initially in that first. Really? Year. Okay. Yeah. That's when I was actually first taken you know what no I wasn't taken aside and this is where I get into okay. behaviors in the school that I think need to change so I was yep. addressed 
front of my entire class. And I was told, Sasha, do you eat? And at first I didn't understand what this teacher was saying. You know, she, she said it in German and it was kind of fast and I was concentrating on tondus, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I was looking at stuff yeah. and, and so I asked again and that's when, you know, people really heard that. And it was just, I was embarrassed and I felt very exposed. And anytime teachers need to talk to students, it doesn't matter if it's concerning their weight, whether it's concerning their mental health or, or something, even even if it's good, it should not be in a class. You know, people feel extremely vulnerable, exposed, embarrassed. And I remember just looking around the class and seeing all of these eyes on me. I, I, it's hard to explain, but you really just feel so vulnerable and you don't really know what to say. Yeah. And I just, yes, of course I'm eating. And there yeah. I am with this leotard that doesn't fit me anymore and it's all baggy with wrinkles. I'm like, yeah, of course I'm eating. Like, it's, it's just not the way to go about things. And if a teacher feels like a student is struggling mm. and it is, at, at this point, it is very visible. Yes. This educator, this the teacher, a professor, a director mm. needs to needs to take the responsibility to help this person. And yeah, right? give support, hundred percent. They they need a support system. They need to be able to sit down and have chats with them on numerous occasions. Yes. They need to, you know, help them in finding health professionals or offer you know, education and yeah. you know, counseling and support. And I'm sorry if this does take time out of people's days. <laughs> have children or yeah. young dancers under your care. This is what needs to happen. This this exactly. is every place. I'm not talking about one place in particular. There are students struggling. Mm-hmm. You need to help them. And that's that's the directors or responsibility and what what you see in schools and companies what you see everywhere is not just eating disorders you see depressive behaviors that go completely unnoticed oh that is absolutely disgusting especially when visible yeah um yeah it's completely ignored and it's it's embarrassing to the system like it is embarrassing and what what happens and from what i've seen is mm-hmm. this goes into the hands of the peers and i remember having my group of friends having to try and counsel other girls in my class because there were clearly behaviors that to us looked like they were risking their own lives with what they were doing yeah. to the point where we were genuinely worried that they would not come to class the next day. Yeah. And that was it. Awful. And yet one thing was said, the teacher was like, oh, you like that looks worrying. And it, and so the responsibility fell to us and I have no issues. And just like my friends had no issues speaking to these girls and having a good chat with them even though all of us had our own issues yeah and that's the other thing like everyone's struggling but also everyone's expected to kind of like look after each other yeah and it's 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 really it's amazing to have this community and feel like yeah yeah 
supported by everyone in the class, but mm. it shouldn't be our sole responsibility. Yeah. And we are not trained in counseling, mm. therapy, psychology, psychiatry. Yeah. That we are not trained in it and we can only do what we can. Mm-hmm. So those are just obviously some things that I witnessed and I know that is not subject to my own personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. They're things that, you know, that, yeah, I completely, yeah, there's things that I remember, you know, there's probably been multiple times when, um, you know, things of teachers make comments on people's bodies, whether they're eating, what they're eating is also one. It's like, oh, this like, is do you. definitely something I want to talk about. And oh. it's the nutrition advice. Oh, this disgusting. Especially now with what I'm studying, because I'm doing yes. nutrition dietetic medicine. Yeah university in australia at the moment and like mm-hmm. even more with the knowledge that i have now it just yeah. like it honestly hurts my heart <laughs> what yeah. yeah so um i think in general that in schools and in companies there mm-hmm. is a lack of healthcare professionals available and there is also a lack of education on the nutritional needs for dancers specifically yeah you can have nutrition nutritionists and dietitians and they're everywhere and they are plentiful but you need healthcare professionals who understand dancers and athletes our schedule what we do what we have to eat you know with you know short breaks and performances and all of this stuff and there is a lack of this knowledge and you know the bringing these health professionals yeah and what hurts even more is that sometimes we do bring health professionals in yeah um and this is where you see negligence on their part because you cannot have a health professional come will call themselves a nutritionist a dietitian a physio or anything like this and not work in the needs for dancers. So in saying this, I mean telling dancers to eat baby food because that gives them enough energy and get, allows them to, to lose some weight or <laughs> measure their fat and say, oh, you could still lose a little bit. This is negligent behaviour. That is not a health professional that you should have coming to schools. No, I'm that's dodgy. To this, so yeah. I am Speaking from my personal experience, this is something that I have heard from my friends all across Europe. Yeah. And that one story was a story from one of these schools in Europe, and it is just completely negligent. I could not imagine as a, a nutritionist to tell someone that they need to eat baby food so that it gives them just that bit of energy allows them to lose weight for example oh drink coffee in the morning you know gives you some energy but then you're just burning off all that fat you know you don't have you, d- you haven't had any calories this needs to stop it is so negligent disgusting behavior it's absolutely disgusting if health if you are going to bring health professionals in you know they they need to work for the needs of the dancers and this is this is really what kind of inspired me to do what I'm doing now Um, because I never ever want to hear or see that happen because it is just horrible and it it can't keep going yeah yeah no that's I mean that is literally just 
I guess, proof, not even, does like, there doesn't need to be proof, but, like, enough people have experienced, um, like, it's not, like, it happens everywhere, essentially, which is the awful thing, but I think, you know, there's always, I think people, when they experience something like that and they see it happen, they think, oh, you know, it can't be this bad everywhere else. And, but I feel like everyone has the same thought. This and then we will find out that there's these experiences that are oh, the same or worse. And we're like, what the heck? Yeah. Like you think, yeah. Or you, or if even like, if you think this is something you've experienced personally, think, oh, maybe it's just the place I'm in. And then if I mm-hmm. move into something different, you, you do need to speak to the people who, you know, if you're going to go move to a place, find those people, whether it be through social media or not, speak yep. to them hear about their experience and I think this is wonderful yeah. with what you're doing with the podcast obviously mm. helping the young dancers who are wanting to move overseas as well just mm. so they can prepare themselves obviously everyone's experiences will be different mm. everywhere is different as well um but kind of you know so it's not this massive shock to them what yeah. I also feel just kind of moving on a little bit is that yeah, yeah. if there were healthcare professionals within these spaces like schools and companies mm-hmm. kind of really putting a spotlight on the detrimental effects of underfueling and yeah. how to fuel yourself properly mm-hmm. even if you know the um the atmosphere or what you know is unhealthy in the school but if you have that education I think you will see cases are not going to undertake all of these unhealthy behaviors as often as they do, because they completely understand the detrimental effects. And there are wonderful people on social media who are highlighting this and you have interviewed them and it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And people have to be in the spotlight. You have to push these healthcare professionals into schools make a seminar do educational lessons because Mm -hmm. you know dancers understand that under fueling can cause x y and z and this is how it's going to affect you later in life and you're going to have a shorter career and fractures and this is going to happen to you and that's going to happen to you you know dancers are going to be less likely to think that it's okay because especially when i went through this period of an extreme eating disorder mm-hmm. I had I didn't really know the consequences mm-hmm. of, of how that really would affect my future and I thought oh this is fine I'm you know as long as I'm dancing for the next you know few years up until I'm 30 or something mm-hmm. nothing will happen to me I'll just yeah you'll be fine look this way and I will be fine because I feel okay now yeah. And it's what I know now that absolutely shocks me. So what I think moving forward is that dancers need to have this education. And I think it could really, really help a lot with with eating disorders and with mental health, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with everything that you just said about that. And I think a big thing is like I remember and I I think I said this in my last episode but it's I look back and I can't believe it like in the three years that I was at my vocational training we had one hour where a healthcare professional came in I think they marked the teacher like the director of the school said oh you know it's the dietitian from the Royal Ballet Company really good 
like sure okay she I as someone who has always been interested in like dietetics and nutrition um less I didn't wasn't very aware of like the consequences of underfueling I kind of knew what I, I knew about the like athletes triad of what I can't remember what's what's energy low energy deficient low, yeah um kind of was aware didn't know the major consequences didn't know much about the periods and the the like the whole estrogen and all the effects of that didn't know much about it and she never talked about that she just came in and just said oh like it was really weird like she just made us like write on a piece of paper like everything we ate in a day but didn't and then she was like oh like people give example like and then wanted people to like give examples and then it was like really awkward because everyone's like oh I don't want to say that I ate that like why would you do that is is worrying to be able like to have to write down your food and then show this to everyone you know people find that very vulnerable and especially it's very vulnerable like you don't want to you know be be demonstrating that to the whole world you're sitting um, next to people who are like oh you know oh I actually forgot to eat lunch yesterday or like oh I had a whole bag of sweets in the evening like I don't want to write that down because I'm going to get judged it's like what like this fear is like that the anxiety that, that people were having to write down was really like it was saying but also um anxiety inducing completely yeah yeah it was not like I just don't think it was helpful and then you know like obviously she was providing a bit of information like she was telling people I think the issue is because there is there's still unfortunately like a big fear around certain foods whether it be in dance but also in you know normal life um and people like people need it break broken down to them like not just if so the dietitian is going to say like carbs are great for you okay great thank you however telling people who were like kind of refuse to eat that she needs to tell why she needs to say if you don't have them this is what's going to happen why it's so important that you have them rather than being like oh yeah they're good for you you should have them that doesn't help anyone like especially so telling telling someone that i this i'm just using an example here if you tell a person with an eating disorder, let's say that potatoes are good for you because, and then you really break it down and explain why this person needs potatoes to fuel themselves, just for example, yep. and this other person has feared potatoes for, you know, however many years or months or whatever, it's not going to do anything. They fear it and that's it. This yep. needs to be broken down. This person actually needs to address why they fear this food. Yep. And this person also needs to understand where the dietitian is coming in or where the nutritionist healthcare professional is coming in, break it down for them. And then they're going to be like, oh my God, why am I fearing this? Yes. Food? Yes. It gives me the energy I need. No, it's not going to make me fat. You yeah. know, yes, it's going to give me the energy I need. Yes. I'm going to feel satiated. And yes, I'm now going to feel great because I had a potato. <laughs> like yeah, that's, exactly. just, that's how it works. And the biggest thing for me in terms of recovery was breaking down these rules. There yep. were so many things that I had prohibited completely in my diet. And mm-hmm. I didn't mention this before, but within my first year, I had actually gone vegan. Yeah. And everyone was very concerned for me at the time, oh, this and that. And I kept saying, no, 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 it's just because like, you know, I care about the animals and this and that, which I completely do now. I have actually, I remain vegan and 
you know, my heart goes out to everyone who who is fighting for animal rights and um, agriculture and the environment and reducing the carbon footprint. But yeah. definitely started out as a very unhealthy behavior. Yep. Very, very easy way. Yes. I can cut out groups of, of foods or, you know, when you go out and eat with your friends, say, oh, I can't eat that and I can't eat that. And or when people say, oh, you've lost so much weight, you say, oh, I'm so healthy now because I'm vegan. Um, there has to you have to distinguish between that you are not vegan if that's what your mentality is. You are eating plant based and very restrictively. And, yep. eating and yep. so um, it was definitely, you know, creating that ethical standpoint to it for me was absolutely major because it turned into something that I solely just believed in and I could make a difference in this world with. And it wasn't this whole like, oh, I'm cutting out this group and I'm cutting out that group. So obviously don't see it as that now. It's it's, it's impactful in my yeah. life because I feel like I'm making a difference. Yeah. And I think that breaking down all of the fear foods or, or things that you have once prevented yourself from eating is extremely important. And so in my, my final year at the school was definitely that year where mm-hmm. I said, I have to stop doing this because I am I'm performing swan lake for example i am doing juliet i'm working with a company i'm doing a complete part of dirt for my master's exam i was doing raymonda and i was in um performances where i traveled around germany with and i was i swear in every second number it was a lot i needed a lot of energy i i just i needed the fuel and i said i can't complete this year with an eating disorder I need to break through this and I just need to fuel myself and this is what it's going to be like. That was such a massive turning point for me me, because in this environment, you know, when everyone's like, oh, I need to lose weight and you feel like you need that to succeed and I had obviously gone through that. For me to tell myself that I had to break through that in order to perform was massive, obviously, and I'd reached a point where I was over it. I was over the restrictive cycle. I was over... (laughs) my hair fall out I was over my brittle nails I was over digestive discomfort I was completely over it and I just Mm. wanted to feel normal again yeah no and in breaking those rules you obviously you obviously go through moments of probably eating too much or feeling uncomfortable not eating enough like I said the you know the binge restrict cycle but I think that I had gained a really healthy amount of weight. I think like I finally looked healthy and to me, I felt good because I knew that I was fueling myself. Mm-hmm. What was disgusting to me is when I went to audition for companies and I was told, and I quote, <laughs> it's such a shame that you have put, put on weight because you're going for auditions now and you're not going to get a job. Oh my god. In that moment in time, I think it was a breaking point for me to be honest. I knew that I had to separate myself from this world. Because when you take it upon yourself to recover from something as serious as an eating disorder and you put in so much effort, you work so hard to become 
healthy yeah and someone says something like that to you oh my god when you're finally healthy and you have just I can't even begin to tell you the amount of hard work that I had personally put in yeah to become healthy and yes. I hadn't even full recovery I was still yeah. on that whole you were on the journey yeah <laughs> to have someone take that back from you and tell you what you're doing is wrong that recovery is wrong that putting on a healthy amount of weight is wrong and now you're never going to get a job even though you have worked your whole life for that it it absolutely breaks you and I still wasn't finished my master's year yet and I felt broken I knew it and I knew that as soon as I graduated that I needed to have a break and come home yeah um I needed to recuperate I needed to rest my body eat what I needed to eat and just just let it all flow through me yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I completely felt broken I felt defeated I felt like I wasn't cared for as much I wasn't kind of offered those those roles and I also I forgot to to mention mm. something <laughs> in in starting my master's year, I was also offered a scholarship. This is a scholarship that I hadn't applied for. It was it was just offered to me, um, which is kind of out of the blue, which is absolutely wonderful. I am mm. so glad. <laughs> but I guarantee you that had I not lost weight or had changed my body yeah. in you two years at the school that that would not have been offered to me yeah and I think this is something we kind of just need to sit and think about that if I had remained that same weight when I first came into the school I would be offered a scholarship in my master's year it's, there's not much it, more I can say than disgusting positive yeah. enforcement yeah um and it's, it, it is hard to me because I am eternally grateful for yeah. the opportunities I was given. I don't take that away. I, of course. I really am. And I, I would do the whole experience over again. I would because it was absolutely amazing. It taught me everything. And having the scholarship helped me absolutely immensely. Yes. But in, in saying that, I had to go through a period of eating disorders in order to even be recognized for this this scholarship so you know in, in hoping times are changing I hope the scholarships can obviously be offered to people who really who really need it yeah um who are in financial hardship as opposed to students who do just lose weight um yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's obviously what yeah. I hope for the future but in saying that I am still eternally grateful for all of yeah. the experience. Oh, no, of course. I think I think everyone who kind of yeah. goes through it is. Yeah. But it's difficult and I think and it's oh, it's really sad that that I mean the thing is I don't know what like it's sad that it happens, but we all know that it happens. Like we yes because I'm pretty sure you can ask anyone in the ballet world who, or who's been through it. That is that we all, we all know that weight loss is praised. It doesn't, you know, yeah. and, and yeah, yeah. What I think this is kind of like one message that like, I really want to put forward and it's that you can look after yourself 
you can eat well, you can care about what you put into your body without having an obsession with food. So if you want to feel good and you want to lose weight healthfully with the care of a health professional and you just want to feel good, that does not automatically mean that you need to have an obsession with calories and you need to have an obsession with food and you need to go on fad diets and having an eating disorder. The two and two do not need to go together. Yes, that's definitely true. You can feel good. I promise you can feel good. And I promise you can, you know, look good and have energy and not underfuel yourself. It is very possible. Yeah. And I think that's the issue is because I, if looking out of ballet in I guess just our society when you think about it the majority of the time that weight loss is promoted is through fad diets that's true yep which you know like I that only clicked now for some reason what the heck (laughs) so everyone thinks so like if you know you go into a ballet situation and people like oh you know I really want to lose some weight fad diet or like full-on like like just restriction like no one think I don't there's very little people who will sit down and either consult a health care professional or actually kind of think okay uh, if I do it slowly then you know because you know obviously losing weight slowly is more sustainable than cutting everything out and going gung-ho and then it becomes going to it like a binge and restrict cycle um and I think that's the issue there's very little support for dancers who maybe don't feel comfortable in the body shape they are and maybe they think feel that and and I think that's absolutely fine and I think that's something that every you know everyone if it will feel confident at a different point but then you know we also have to factor in their health are they menstruating are they growing are they showing symptoms of like you just said hair loss brittle nails those things like when is it too far that it's causing issues or because everyone's got a different set point? Um, yeah, I would like the one thing I, I want to encourage to dancers is yeah. obviously when you move over to foreign countries, it's hard to visit doctors because there is obviously a language barrier. You don't feel comfortable or you know that you have doctors back in your hometown that you feel really comfortable with. This is where these virtual kind of consultations come in and I really do encourage dancers to undertake these virtual consultations and I think that dancers who I think all dancers in general should just you know have have a plan that like with food that they know that fuels them and makes them feel good and this you know you work with your nutritionist and dietitian and it's so easy to log on to zoom or log on to facebook and just have a chat and, you know, and it's, it's so easy because, you know, you don't need to leave your apartment. You know, this is, it can be done in between classes. It's so easy. And if you feel like something isn't working or you need to um, up your energy density because of, you know, more performances and stuff, just, you know, yeah. have to nutritionists, just have a quick consultation and say, what do you recommend I have for this? Or, or I feel like, you know, I need to gain some muscle mass or um, do you think I need a supplement with this because... I feel this. It is so easy to just go back and forth with these questions, but you can meet with these professionals virtually and don't need to feel, you know, like you're struggling with this language barrier while you're overseas. 
And I wish, wish like with all my heart that I had done this while I was overseas. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. do. Because it is obviously a language barrier and you feel like you don't have that support. Yeah. And so I encourage all dancers who are in a foreign country to find a professional who you can speak to and you trust and that one that cares about you and works for the needs of you. Yes. Um, who you can really just chat to virtually and who really is available to you and understands dance as well um and that's obviously my my goal because I really really want to help dancers obviously why I feel so strongly about this Mm -hmm. um and that's what I encourage second thing I really encourage is that if something feels unsustainable it it, it is unsustainable (laughs) if you Um, don't think you can keep it up for like two years then there's something like if you yeah that's the biggest thing like I think what you see across all boards is that mm-hmm. people can lose weight in a short amount of time and people say oh how did you do it how did you know you look amazing and then a year later it's like what well they've gained the weight back I mean yeah. number one we shouldn't be commenting or judging about other people's bodies because yeah. that's never okay number one yeah. um but number two this is the whole point of unsustainable and fad diets they're not meant to work long term if you want to have something that works long term, you there there is no way around. You just can't be going on these bad diets or quick weight loss things and drink slim teas and and have a meal replacement shake or just starve yourself yeah. because it won't work. And I promise yeah. you, there is evidence to suggest that yeah. people who do go on these dramatic weight loss kind of diets or whatever will in the future gain back the gain weight back if more. Yeah. If yes. More. Exactly. And there is evidence to, to suggest this and there is very strong evidence and there have been yeah. numerous studies. And you can see this all along social media as well. So it might seem great at this moment in time, but I promise you, it's you will not. look back at your younger self and you will say, I wish someone had told me that. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had that help. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, I don't know if everyone knows, but I'm going to give Stephanie a plug because <laughs> she's doing yes. great things. Um, Absolutely amazing. In the whole, that nutrition and dancers world. And I think not even just for overseas students, but I think even, you know, for my British listeners and who else, uh, I don't know, who else is this? <laughs> um, I think it's like, it is very important to invest. And if that's something, you know, if there's certain things that you want to work on and you know whether it be to do with weight fueling those sort of things and you know sometimes going to your local GP isn't the best thing because a GP doesn't know what a dance like sometimes you know they're not they're not fully qualified and dancers people say oh I went to my GP and they said I'm fine yeah I'm not trained I I really understand that but There is only so far they can go in terms of nutrition advice and health. Yes, particularly for athletes. You know, that is not their expertise. Go to your GP, get a blood test, then take that to your specialised healthcare professional. Yeah. And what's upsetting is that, you know, you have people investing in new leotards and this new TheraBand and this new dance bag. How about you save that money and invest in your health 
think about what is more important Mm. what is more important yeah you know and like to this day you know like it is now almost all kind of almost four years since I first started at the school yeah and I am still there are still repercussions of my actions yeah I am still trying to heal my digestive system from unfueling myself there are still these consequences yeah I am still living with peers and you know family around me saying oh you don't look like you used to like it is just and obviously other physio um yeah physiological needs but there are just still those repercussions that I am still living with and I am not dancing. Yeah. These need to be made apparent. Mm-hmm. It is not short term. This stuff will definitely last yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Particularly yeah. stuff with, I mean, I don't, did you, like, you don't have to answer this question, but did you lose your period? I'm I assuming. Did. Yeah. yeah. I did. How long did it take to get back? if you haven't got back or like yeah oh I can't even remember now I had I think I lost it for almost half a year and during that first like three months or so like many doctors they go well this is convenient yeah this is great (laughs) I don't have to worry about things and also at the time my uniform was a white leotard so I'm there rejoicing like this is great yeah Um, and then I think I had as I said, I was very inquisitive. I obviously kind of did some research into the health effects of this. And I had spoken to peers and my family. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to get very worried. Okay. Um, and so I stopped, or I tried to stop all unhealthy behaviours, actually. This is when, that this was my journey into breaking my old thought patterns. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I knew this wasn't only detrimental short term, but this was detrimental long term. Yeah. This could possibly impact my ability to have children in the future, my bone density, um, calcium absorption, my hormones. So obviously then fractures in the future, yeah. my mental health, um, you know, my cognitive ability. There is just so much. And I, I did, I started to get really worried. So, you know, I started to break all these old habits and then you know what within within a few months i think i had finally gotten it back and it really it proves to you that if you are doing the right things and you're taking care of yourself and you're investing in your health that you can do it yeah you you can do it and yeah. you know when when i finally managed to to get that back you know you you even get a sense of of accomplishment like mm. you know I am helping my body so much. I'm fueling it and I'm nourishing myself. And I know that I'm not at a higher risk of injury or fractures and, you know, able to, you know, have children when I'm older. It is an accomplishment. You need to stop thinking that things are now convenient because you're not menstruating anymore. Yeah. Like definitely. Um, It's yeah. I think that the whole thing about like, losing your period and or not having it again that's something I definitely want to go into more in like a more like like a period episode (laughs) because I think 
that's very important. And in, in Stephanie, she not about overseas, I think she did a very good job at explaining the detrimental impact yes. um, yep. that that has. Um, another plug for Stephanie, you're amazing. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that obviously I think that there should be an episode like that because I think also some dancers probably don't want to hear about it because they don't want to know. <laughs> Like, oh, they don't want to know that they're actually slowly like I don't want to say killing themselves, but like you are like ruining your body, like, like we know. Um, that you know we're putting it out into the spotlight more because it yeah. needs to be spoken about. Yeah, but I you know there's a lot of denial with all this whole like eating disorders and disordered eating and yeah. issues that like you know so much denial is involved in that, and you know then you have all the positive. Um, affirmations from teachers and peers and comments and you know it's, you think yeah, sure. yeah that's definitely a big thing um okay so I mean I feel like we've covered like most of the questions oh well something that I think is quite interesting is did any like when I think you've kind of mentioned this but did um, like when you kind of started doing more company stuff, did the way you were treated um, around, I guess, all this, was it any different? Like, was it more, oh, I don't know how to explain it, but like, did you feel like there was a difference with the way like you were kind of treated in school versus company? Um, uh, like being more under the radar, um, were I don't know when you were surrounded by like I don't know were there professional dancers that maybe oh, I don't know how to explain it I don't know if that makes any sense <laughs> yeah I can talk about kind of the experience like dancing with the company I guess in general mm-hmm. um so obviously in dancing with the company I was like I was still part of the school bit my master's year and then I was able to dance kind of with the quarter ballet yeah. um so in saying that we weren't treated like the quarter ballet and I it's somewhat understandable because we were yeah. still you know kind of part of that school as well yeah. but uh I one thing and I, everyone hated it but <laughs> students always had to take off their warm-up clothes so there we are in either a white or a black leotard depending what year we are right from the beginning of the day and all of the company you know they're still in their trash bag pants yeah. and they're Booties and you know hair half up half down oh no and everyone actually had their hair very very nice but <laughs> like you know they were able to keep warm during warm-up and it was that clear distinction like no nope, students have to take it all off and yeah. you know, we would kind of get in trouble if if we didn't if we stayed in warm-up clothes and it was yeah. obviously you know you could definitely distinguish the students to the company members and it was kind of it was a little bit annoying especially in winter you know you want to stay warm prevent oh, yeah. degrees, not stand out like a sore thumb and yet we kind of had to yeah. um it, it, it was so that that's probably one thing that obviously differed um mm-hmm. students were always expected to have like obviously if the production was with point shoes to have point shoes on at all times whereas i think you know some of like the company members if they had an injury they were like, you know, it's okay, save yourself for the performance. Yeah. And yet, like, if I had come to them and I said, like, I'm injured with this and that, they probably weren't as lenient, even though they, I guess, they really didn't know what we had done with rehearsals prior to company performances yeah. or rehearsals. So 
I guess was hard because you're like, oh, I wish like you saw what I have done all day. Like I have been on point from morning to evening and now yeah. I'm doing four acts of Swan Lake and I can't even stand on my toes. Yeah. Yes. Like, because you know what the company members Gosh. have done all day, you're a little bit yeah. more lean. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. It was a hard class this morning, blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. So it's kind of it like, it was hard. And obviously as a student to try and explain that yeah. you kind of feel like you don't have that authority. Yeah. Um, but like, obviously in reason, like if you do have a very, like, if you have a bad injury, I remember right before Swan Lake, I had horrible, horrible tendonitis in my foot. It's like the first time I ever had yeah. tendonitis. And yeah. I think my directors and like the, like, you know, people of high authority within the company did understand the severity of it because you know you need all your swans on stage <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was rehearsing for a long time I was also second cast for the four signets so like it it was very important that I had to do <laughs> Swan Lake and they think they understood the severity of my injury yeah and actually they did let me let me have the time off I needed I obviously stayed for all of the rehearsals I needed to I watched my second cast dance mm-hmm. um so that I was able to perform in the premiere mm-hmm. and I was very happy that they obviously understood the severity of the injury, yeah. but in general, I think there was a little bit of, a little yeah. bit more leniency with yeah, the yeah, yeah. You know, it's understandable. Students, you need a bit more discipline. Um, I mean, but overall, like, it, it was a wonderful transition to understand company life. And I think anytime, you know, students are looking into, you know, moving overseas for schools, Look, look into and see if they have a junior company or that that school kind of feeds into the company and you get that experience mm. because it's it's really wonderful and especially when you go and audition for companies you know after you've graduated or you know during your training there you have that on your resume and you can see oh like you know that student they've actually performed with the company they've been part of a quarter valley they have that experience yeah. it's so valuable and it gives you gives you that that kind of yeah yeah it you, gives you, you that it helps yeah. you yeah it, it really does and like I'm so grateful and the the productions I was able to be a part of really absolutely amazing all the dance also really friendly I loved all of them and also some Australians so I'm still really friendly with to this day and they've been really quite inspirational and helpful for me personally I think mm-hmm. a lot of students are very scared and timid when they enter the company and they don't want to speak to the dancers but like I was very happy to walk in and you know go to my Australians or you know speak to the company members and just be friendly with them ask them how things are and you know they would always like give me tips and hints and have chats with me you also feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable and friendly with the people you're dancing with you're not going to be so uptight especially when you have directors constantly drilling the students because yeah. you know they may not be on par with the company members and you know you're being drilled and you feel like there's a lot of more pressure on you being really comfortable with the people you're dancing around helps yeah. so much and so it obviously reached a point where you know I just go to the company every day I feel good like you know ask the company members how they are and they go oh you know good let's go for lunch or you know it's it, it's really nice it, it turns into a nice environment so I would you know I would definitely encourage dancers who are at that point in their training or even if you're entering a new company to really familiarize yourself with 
the people in the company and make friends and you know it might be scary at first but just do it it is so good (laughs) no that sounds like a really like sounds really nice and I I completely agree when you're going into like a more company setting and you're working with company dancers being comfortable around them and not feeling because you know usually if you're dancing with company dancers it can feel stressful like you said you know you feel like you have to be at their level I mean and then you got to realize okay we're all on different paths and I'm not in a company yet so like being you know chilled um but also yeah just feeling confident that you know it doesn't matter if you like fall out of something that day, like no one's actually judging you because everyone is just doing class for themselves and just kind of understanding that like (laughs) is definitely a big thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay. Do you have anything else you would like to touch on? Cause I think that's kind of covered like most of my notes. Um, Yeah, I guess. I guess all in all, big thing I can say is that recovery is always possible and that you always need to invest in your health because without that, you have nothing. Yes. Um, And that you will most likely be in an environment that's not always conducive to your health. But if you seek out the right help and you've got good friends and if you, you know, build a relationship so that, you know, you can, you can have a nice talk with your professors and directors so that they know how you feel is also really wonderful. And that um, just talk to people because you think you're alone, but you're never alone and everyone's going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for those words, literally. So (laughs) true. And I hope that everyone listening, takes it and really soaks that in because it's very important um so I think we'll wrap up there thank you so much Sasha for coming on today it's been such a like a really good chat um and I've really enjoyed talking to you and I hope the listeners enjoy this thing because lots of valuable information in there um so just let before we finish let the listeners know where they can find you on social media if they want to check your you and your page out yeah so my main instagram is sash underscore dre so d-r-e-y and then i've also set up um a nutrition instagram page and that's vita bloom under underscore nutrition um I've just started posting a few things there just to like help me with my journey along my studies through nutritional dietetic Mm -hmm. medicine um I'm hoping to post a lot to help dancers specifically as well um intuitive eating and just holistic nutrition so you can find me there by the bloom underscore nutrition fab okay I'll leave those in the just can't speak description (laughs) below um okay yeah amazing thank you so much for coming on and yeah i hope you have a great day thank you to all the listeners who tuned in to today's episode you can hear me next week and yeah bye